Well, good morning, Springbrook. Welcome into the house of the Lord for worship this morning. We are so glad to have you with us. If this is your first time with us, maybe your first time back after a while away, we're extra glad to have you. Thanks for being here during this beautiful Advent season. If you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, we are in the season of Advent, which is a season of anticipation and preparation for the coming of Christ Jesus, our King. And so the last two weeks, we've lit the first two candles on the Advent wreath, and this morning, we will light the third and continue in anticipating and celebrating Jesus who came for us. If you are joining us online at our 9 o'clock service, I want to remind you, as always, we have online hosts available just for you. They'd love to answer your questions. They'd love to pray with you. Wherever you are this holiday season, whatever is going on in your life, we want to be a part of it. We want to be there for you, and we want you to be connected to what God's doing here. So please use that request prayer button throughout the service. If you'd like to go into a chat with one of our hosts, they would be um, just honored to spend time in prayer with you. So take advantage of that. Well, I'd love to invite you to stand as you are able, either in body or in spirit, for our call to worship today, which comes from the prophet Isaiah. This is chapter 35. He writes, The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Let's lift our voices in joy and worship this morning. Out together. Sing with the song of Emmanuel. This the Christ who was long foretold. Low in the shadows of Bethlehem. Promise of dawn, now our eyes behold. God most high in a manger laid. Lift your voices and now proclaim. Emmanuel, 
joy and peace for the weary hearts. Lift up your hands for your King has come. Sing for the light overwhelms the dark. Glory is shining for all to see. Hope alive, let the gospel ring. God has made a way. He will have the praise. Tell the world his name is Jesus. Glory is shining for all to see. Hope
Let's remember together this morning that Jesus is our King. He is with us, with us, God Emmanuel. He is near us, near us, heaven come to dwell. Oh, Messiah, Messiah, our promise here to save. He is with us, He is with us. Sing holy. Thrill of hope remains. 
and you may be seated. Good morning. God is a God of joy. Today, on the third Sunday of Advent, we will light the shepherd's candle, which is also called the candle of joy. Throughout scripture, God's people are characterized by joy in the wilderness. Biblical joy is not dependent on circumstances, but on a future hope in Christ. The night that Jesus was born, among the very first people God chose to hear the news about Christ's birth were poor shepherds who were considered to be in the lowest ranks of society. Yet regardless of their status in human terms, the angels of the heavenly host brought them good news of great joy, and their response was to go forth in praise and rejoicing. For they had seen the Messiah, the chosen one of God, in whom we too can find our joy. We read about this announcement in the gospel according to Luke in that well-known chapter 2. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and gives given to us in love. Thanks be to God. upon the midnight clear heaven's song broke through the air peace and goodwill toward men born now in Bethlehem once upon a bed of straw 
slept the sovereign son of God, Lord of the universe, breathing in the dust of earth, wonderful counselor, mighty God, and our Messiah. come before you this morning, yes, in praise, in joy, and gratitude for all that you are, all that you have done, and we thank you again and again, as best we know how, for Jesus. We thank you for Jesus, our Messiah. We thank you for the chosen one of God who came on our behalf, who took on flesh, who took on the brokenness of this world, who took on death and destroyed it vanquished it, conquered it eternally. This season is about so much more than the baby in the manger. It's about the man he would be, the eternal work he would accomplish, the fact that he is reigning on the throne even now. That's why there's joy. 
that's why we can find joy today. Give us courage to find joy even when we're facing heartbreak, even when we're facing grief and anxiety and depression and exhaustion and broken relationships. Give us courage to lean into your joy because your joy is so much greater than anything we could possibly face, than anything we could possibly imagine. Holy Spirit, will you just comfort each heart in this room this morning? The coming of Jesus is tidings of comfort and joy. Will you bring those to our hearts this morning? Help us to see you anew. Help us to experience your goodness in a fresh way this morning. You've got something for us today in this moment in time, in this moment in history, with these exact people in this room. You have something to do today. You have something of yourself to give us today. Will you help us, Holy Spirit, to receive it? Open our eyes. We pray. We beg. Open our ears to hear your voice. Soften our hearts. Help us to receive you that we might go from here proclaiming tidings of comfort and joy to the world around us, desperately in need of you. We love you. All of this is for you. It's in Christ's name we pray. All right, let's try this again. <laughs> Moving on. Um, let's take a look at some of the things going on at Springbrook. Um, so we are already halfway through Advent season, which is exciting. Um, but that means we're drawing near to Christmas Day, which is even more exciting. So if you are looking to come on out, um, Christmas Eve services, we are scheduled to have them at 3, 4.30, and 6 p.m. on Saturday. If you're more interested um, in coming on Sunday, we do still have our Sunday service. That's going to be a one service at 10 o'clock on Sunday. So yesterday, the ladies came out and had a lovely Christmas tea. I hear it was well attended and just a really, really great um, event. So thank you for coming out to those who attended. Um, if you have pictures to share, please don't be afraid to do that. We certainly would love to see those as well. Not to leave out the men, though. We have the No, Ma uh, no Regrets Men's Conference coming up on Saturday, February 4th. So ladies, if you're looking for a gift to put under the tree for husbands, brothers, fathers, whatever it might be, um, why don't you consider uh, going to springbrook.org slash no regrets and registering that gentleman in your life. Um, it certainly will be a rewarding experience for him to attend. And finally, we are already 15% of the way toward our $25,000 goal for this uh, year's year-end offering. So it's just great news. We're making great progress already. If you're interested in learning more, um, that's going to help uh, fund a missions team and um, ministries as well as some staff positions. If you're interested in learning more information, go ahead to go to springbrook.org slash year-end. At this time, I invite you to sit back and relax, and Pastor Rich will be out with our sermon in just a moment.
Amen. And we are so glad that you are with us this morning. I tell you, it was so much fun being on that side this morning, singing with you this morning. You sounded really good for Gloria. Our worship team did a great job, and I just, uh, it's so exciting just to be able to be with you this morning as we continue our Advent series. Um, we're just looking at uh, the joy that is ours in Christmas this Sunday. And if you're uh, watching with us online this morning, uh, we, we're glad you're with us as well. I know you were singing out loud uh, while you were watching online as well. Sometimes when I watch it online, I just like to sing out loud. I like to sing anyway. And so sometimes it, that doesn't sound all that great. Unless I'm with you guys, then it sounds okay. <laughs> My wife and I have been married for uh, 37 years. And here's the secret. Good communication. We went to a uh, marriage conference uh, not too long ago. Actually, it was a long time ago. But uh, one of the things that we learned how to do um, was to talk with one another about some key things that we might be mad about, sad about, or glad about. It was just a way to kind of kick off some conversation about things that were going on in our life that would stimulate some conversation. And the key is, is when you do that, is not to share any input. So, because me, I'm a problem solver, so she'll, you know, poor Carolyn will start to talk, and I'll be, well, just do this. And she's like, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to just listen. But, you know, it's, a, it's important that we communicate with one another, right? What are you mad about? What are you sad about? What are you glad about? There's things that happen to us in life that affect our relationships, and so it's important that we talk about those things. There's things that happen to us, all of us, and then those things that happen to us affect our relationships with people around us. And sometimes there's things that happen that are good, and sometimes there's things that are happen that are bad. And so we typically are, find ourselves in a position where we're happy about something, and everybody knows when we're happy because we're in a good mood. And sometimes when we're sad about something or we're angry about something, everybody around you knows it, right? Because it's, it's almost impossible to have things that affect you, not affect other people. It's important that we talk to one another about the things that are going on in our life. But with regard to being happy and sad, it's important to understand that happiness is not joy. You know, the author of Psalm 16 says that, just speaking about God, is that God knows his plans for our life. You know, God's got a path for us. You've made known the path of life. And he says this, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You see, God is sovereign. He's over the control of our lives. He is the source of our joy. Our joy is found in him. In his presence, there is the fullness of joy. Joy is found in the presence of God, and it flows from him, and it flows through our circumstances. Joy is present in every circumstance in our life, whether it's good or bad. Joy is always present and available to us in Christ. Because that's where God's design for us is, is to be in his presence and to be able to experience joy. Joy can be found in every circumstance. Joy can be found in the promises of God. And joy can be found in who we are in Christ. And it's my prayer as I think about what this looks like for our ministry and what it looks like in my own life. It's, you know, it's my prayer that we would be able to experience this on a routine basis as a result of being able to encourage one another. You know, joy is something that we find in God's presence, and it affects the relationships that we have around us with others as well. People can see our joy. They see our happiness and sadness, and in spite of our circumstances, they can also see our joy. You know, in the book of Acts, if you brought a Bible with you, you can turn with me to the book of Acts. Just go to the middle and then start going to the right. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. The book of Acts in chapter 5, Peter and the apostles are experiencing 
great ministry. There's miracles. There's great things happening. I mean, it's really exciting to be able to watch the birth of this early church. And they get arrested by the uh, Pharisees, and they get told not to talk about Jesus anymore. And they get pulled before this council, and they say, we want you to stop talking about Jesus. And they say, there is no way we're going to stop talking about Jesus. And so the council conversation goes on when they, in their end of this dialogue, beginning in verse 33, when they heard that the apostles were not going to stop, they were enraged and they wanted to kill them in verse 33. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamil, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and he gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you're about to do to these men. For before these days, Thaddeus rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed, dispersed, and they came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census, and he drew away some of the people after him too. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in this present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and leave them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man... It's going to fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow it. You might even be found opposing God. And so they took his advice. But then they brought them back in. In a verse, in a verse 40, it says this. When they called the disciples back in, they beat them. And so they didn't put them to death, but they were angry with them. They wanted to put them to death. They didn't want to kill them, so they're trying to be cautious. But they beat these guys. And this word beating is, it, I mean, they, were, they got flogged. I mean, have you ever seen, you know, a, a fight? You've seen two guys fight. I mean, this is, a, this is a hostile thing that's happening right here. These disciples get beat, and they charge them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. When they left the presence of the council, look what it says they did. They were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Christ. And so in the midst of their circumstances... In the middle of this getting beat, in the midst of their flogging, they are rejoicing because of who they are in Christ. Now, if you were to ask any of these guys if they were happy about getting beat, I'm, not, I'm sure, I'm almost positive that none of them would say, hey, that was a good time. <laughs> right? I mean, nobody wants to get beat up. Think about some of the circumstances that you're going through life right now that you're thinking, you know what? If I had to choose this, this is not what I would do. But like the faith of the disciples, they're able to rejoice because of who they are in Christ, because they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for that name. That's the kind of joy that I pray that I can experience in my life. That's the kind of joy that I pray that people can experience in Springbrook. Joy is found in every circumstances. Joy is found in the promises of God. And joy is found in trusting and placing your faith in Jesus Christ. You know, just a few moments ago, we read from uh, the book of Isaiah. We read from chapter 35. We were in verses 1 and 2 is what we want to spend a little bit of time looking at in detail. So if you just want to flip to the left a little bit, go to Isaiah. Isaiah 35, verse 1, opened up with this. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong and fear not. Behold, your God will come to you with vengeance, 
with recompense of God. He will come and save you. And so in this passage, we find Isaiah gives us you know, three secrets to being able to find joy in our circumstances and in the promises of God and in the reality of who we are in Christ. Isaiah is uh, writing uh, at a time when there was a lot of turmoil. He wrote uh, in about the year 739 BC. He wrote over a period of about 58 years. As, as long as I've been alive, he was writing. <laughs> and so Isaiah is writing in a very tumultuous time. Uh, he was writing to a nation that was, was deaf to the Lord. They had turned their ear from God. They weren't listening to God any longer. They were offering, they were offering these meaningless sacrifices in the temple. They turned their backs on God and then had alienated him from their lives and were living life their own way. And God speaks to the prophet Isaiah under the reign of several kings. There's Uzziah, there's Joham, Ahaz, Hezekiah. It's under the fifth king, under Manasseh, where it was believed that Isaiah was one of the prophets that was killed. His death is recorded in Hebrews chapter 11, specifically the prophet that was cut in half. And so the prophet Isaiah was put to death. He was cut in half. He was writing to a people in a very, very turbulent time, warning them about the need for their turn to God. They need need to turn back to God. In the midst of that, he's put to death. But in the midst of these passages through Isaiah, we get a glimpse of the hope that is ours. Isaiah is filled with warnings. But it's one of the most important books because it it provides us with, with hope. It's the most comprehensive picture of Jesus Christ that we get in the entire Old Testament. Isaiah includes the full scope of the life of Jesus. We see the announcement of his coming in Isaiah 40. We see his virgin birth in Isaiah 7. We see the proclamation of the good news in Isaiah 61. We see his sacrificial death in chapter 52. We see his returning and coming down in chapter 60. Isaiah is packed with the fullness of of understanding the hope that we have in Christ. And when we get to chapter 35, we find Isaiah gives us an understanding for how we can experience joy. How can we experience joy in our circumstances through God's promises and through Christ? Isaiah 35 began with this desert scene, the desert that was shouting for joy, and it ends with the redeemed that would be shouting of with joy because God has provided them salvation. The promise of salvation will be fully realized when Christ returns. And just what the Advent season is, we're anticipating the the birth of Christ. We're in an Advent season of sorts as we anticipate and wait for the return of Christ with waiting and expectation and anticipation. But the first lesson that we see from Isaiah is that we see that we we can have joy In every circumstance, that's an assurance that Isaiah gives us. We can be assured that the God who came to save us will transform us and will provide us joy in every circumstance of our life. Now, it's easier to be able to talk about joy when things are going good, isn't it? I mean, when things are going well, we could talk about joy, but there's not a connection between joy and happiness. Those are two different things, but it sure is easier to talk about joy when things are going good. I've got a couple of friends that uh, every time I've talked with them or see a social media post, things are, things are great. Things are always great. And I think, man, how, how, do you, how do you do in that? You know, if you do an internet search on the word joy, you will find 3.1 trillion results. 
I mean, joy is just one of those things that everybody likes to talk about. You'll find a whole bunch of pictures. If you look at the images of it, you're going to find a whole bunch of pictures of a lady named Joy. There's, all, there's a lot of <laughs> ladies named Joy. And so just doing a quick search, I mean, there's just a plethora of information out there about what Joy is. And when you look down through the Joy, almost every single image, in fact, I kept scrolling down, I kept scrolling down, I kept scrolling down, I kept looking for one that did not have somebody with a big smile on their face and their arms raised up, they're just having a great time and they're calling that joy. But you know what? This is not joy. This is being happy. And there's sometimes when we're sad. You know, joy is something that transcends our emotions. You know, these things are, are not the image of what joy is that we get from Isaiah. That's not the image of what joy is when we read through these passages. You know, look at verses 1 and 2. Isaiah says, the desert and the parched land will be glad. Will be glad. What's, he, what's he referencing? He's, resi- he's referencing a desert and parched land. He's referencing the wilderness that will rejoice. He's regulating the crocus that will burst into bloom and rejoice and be gladly. You know, the imagery that Isaiah is kind of conjuring up for here is one of vivid imagery that reminds us of the fact that joy has nothing to do with our circumstances. Have you ever been in the middle of the desert? You know, I grew up in the desert. I love to go to the desert. I really do like the desert. I like dry, arid air. It's good for my lungs. I like to breathe it. There's just something about the desert. It's wide open. But I tell you, when you're out in it for a couple hours, <laughs> you better have some water. You're going to be looking for some shade because the desert is dangerous. <laughs> in fact, I remember the last time we moved our family out to the desert, and we were there for just a, you know, just with a couple of weeks. Our nose was bleeding because they got all dry. It takes you a while to adjust to that arid temperature, and I can remember them telling you, you've got to drink water, you've got to drink water, because your body, you know, it perspires, but you don't even know it. It perspires to keep your body cool, and you need to drink twice as much water as you can imagine. Think about how much water is a lot of water, you need to drink twice that much. You know, the desert is a dangerous place. It's dry, and it's arid. It's hot. It's dry. It's barren. Nothing grows. In our house in El Paso, I had a little teeny patch of grass out in the front. It was all rock. I like rock. I get blamed for the rock out in the parking lot. It's low maintenance. You don't have to take care of it. Nothing to mow. Rock is nice. And you get a lot of rock in the middle of the desert. I have this little patch of grass. And that little patch of grass took so much water. My wife and I just talked about our water bill. It's like, it's a little patch of grass. Where's the water come from? Man, we have to pipe it in. Living out in the desert is really a dangerous area to live in. It's hot. It's dry. It's barren. Now, that's what Isaiah has given us, the imagery of what's going to happen in this environment. When in these circumstances, it's dry, it's arid, it's hot, but God will accomplish his plans. There will be gladness, there will be joy. He talks about the wilderness. You know, the wilderness sounds like fun if you like to camp or go hiking. You know, I was watching a movie with Carolyn this past week, and there's this couple, and they're flying in an airplane, and they're looking out, and they're like, oh, that is so beautiful. And the pilot goes, yeah, that's 700,000 acres of wilderness. 90 feet of snow, sub-zero temperatures. And they're all like, oh, but it is so pretty. And you see the mountains, and then the plane crashes. <laughs> Poof, into the snow they go. The whole movie's about them surviving in the wilderness. What once was really nice from an airplane, all of a sudden is now taking lives. You know, Isaiah is using imagery here that's important for us to understand how bad our circumstances can be, yet still find joy. 
You know, Isaiah is using images that's trying to, to get a hold of, to get our attention, this crocus. Does anybody know what a crocus is? I had to look it up. My wife, if you ever want to play Trivial Pursuit, get Carolyn on your team. She knew what a crocus was. I had to go look it up. It's like a tulip. You know, a crocus, you know, have you ever seen something that's a, what is it? I had to write this one down. I always get perennial and annuals. I don't know if you guys know that. If you're into, you know, perennials come back every year. Annuals you have to plant every year. So these perennials, I got some hostas in my backyard. And when it gets cold, they just, they turn ugly. I was out there cleaning the yard up the other day, and these hosses are like, they're like muck. <laughs> I'm picking these things up, and they're dripping, you know, there's, they're rotten, right? And when spring comes back, they're going to be just beautiful, you know, tulips, you know, hostas, all these perennials. I tell you, when they die, they rot. And I'm picking them up, and I'm thinking, you know, this is the kind of environment where God is able to speak into the fact that we can experience joy no matter what we're going through. Isaiah is purposely picking images for us that will help us to be able to understand that no matter what you're going through, no matter what experience you're going through, there can be hope. There can be joy. And sometimes it can be difficult for us to be able to remember that. He uses these vivid images to to stimulate our imagination and to point us to the fact that joy comes from the glory of the Lord, the splendor of God. In spite of our circumstances, we can experience joy. And you're moving into verse uh, 3 and 4. You can click that. Oh, the, hang on a second. I got a, the parent numbers up there. Lost my clicker. 4KUs. Somebody's kids need attention. <laughs> there we go. So in verses 3 and 4, you know, strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance and with recompense. He will come and he will save you. He is speaking to those that have weak hands, that have feeble knees, that have anxious hearts. You know, have you had a desert experience? You know, some of you this morning might feel like you're in a desert experience right now. Are you struggling with any physical limitations? Are you anxious about anything? No matter what's going on in your life, fear not. Behold, because we have hope as a result of who we are in Christ. You know, be encouraged today that happiness and joy are not the same thing. Happiness is a big word. You know, joy is a little word. Some differences between happiness and joy. Happiness is on the face. Joy is on the heart. Happiness is in the moment. Joy is everlasting. Happiness is a pursuit. Joy is a choice. Happiness reacts. Joy transcends our circumstances. And you need to know that it's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be happy about a circumstance, but know that you can still find joy because our joy comes from the Lord. It comes from who we are in Christ. And Isaiah uses this vivid language, this transformational language to encourage us that no matter what our circumstances are, we can find joy. The other thing that Isaiah wants to root us in is the fact that we can know and be assured that we can find joy in the promises of God. We can find joy in the promises of God. You know, look back to uh, verses uh, 1 and 2 for a moment. The desert and the parched land, they will what? They will be glad. That is an assurance. What about that wilderness experience? It will rejoice and blossom. What about that crocus? It will burst in to bloom. 
it will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory and the splendor of God. These are statements of promise. God will transform our lives. God will transform our circumstances. And we will be able to experience joy because of the promises of God. You know, in verse 3 and 4, it says, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong and fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with recompense of God. He will come and save you. You know, these are promises that God makes that we can find joy in regardless of our circumstances. He will come. He came in fulfillment of God's promises in the Old Testament, and he will come again. Joy is found in the promises of God. In Luke chapter 2, there were some uh, shepherds. They're out in the field, and they're watching over their flocks at night. And uh, beginning in verse 10, an angel appears to them and says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of what? Of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in a swaddling clothes and lying in the manger. Guess what? That's true. That happened. God kept his Old Testament promise to his people that he would send a Messiah, that he would send a Savior. And with the fulfillment of that promise comes great joy. There is great joy in the promises of God. And with this big announcement in verse 13, we says, all of a sudden, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is well pleased. And we had an opportunity to look back at peace this past week. We talked about the, the fact that There's trials and tribulations in this world, but take heart because Christ has overcome them. Our peace is in him. Our joy is in him. And that's something to celebrate. We celebrate that reality and all of heaven celebrates that announcement with the shepherds there in the field. God has kept his promise of sending a savior and that is great news and the source of great joy. Jesus was born in a manger He is God incarnate. He is God in the flesh. He was sent to us to save us from this fallen, broken, messed up world and give us hope and give us joy in spite of our circumstances and in light of the promises of God. He is going to return as well. You know, he came to save us from a fallen, broken sin. He's, He's going to return. He returned to heaven and he right now is seated at the right hand of the Father. And at one point, we're waiting for him to come back. Just before he, uh, went back to heaven. He had been with the disciples for uh, three years. And he told them, hey, look, we've been together for three years. I told them, I'm leaving you. You're going to have some trials and some problems in the world. There's going to be some sorrow. Uh, He says this in uh, John chapter 16. He says, so also you're going to have sorrow now, but I'm going to see you again. I'm going to return. I'm going to see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you again. Jesus is going to come back. He is the source of our joy. And when he returns, we're going to rejoice. And our joy is going to be uncumbered. 
our circumstances, we're no longer suck the joy out of our life. We're no longer going to have to struggle to experience joy. We're no longer going to have to take heart to experience joy. We're no longer going to have to worry about the circumstances in our life that can rob us of joy. And we will have experienced the fullness of the promises of God that will be in his presence. Take joy. No one will take that joy from you when I come back. It's going to be unencumbered, and that's what we're looking forward to. You know, Revelation 21 says that, uh, that when God comes back, that, that Jesus is going to take us up to be with him. God's going to be with man. He's going to dwell with them again. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be more, no more death, no more moaning, no more crying, no more pain. We'll be in God's presence, and we will experience the fullness of that joy for all eternity. Why would somebody not want that? You know, Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. We've been called into a relationship with Christ so that we can experience this joy. Without a relationship with Christ, without Christ, we're thrown around by a turbulent, fallen, and broken world. You know, Jesus promises us to take us out of that mess, to to give us joy that moves us beyond our circumstances, and to give us joy because of the promises of, of his word. In Jesus, our joy is made complete. It is in Christ that our joy is made complete. Joy is found in every circumstance because of the source of where it comes from. Joy is found in the promises of God. And joy is found in trusting in Jesus Christ. Back in verses 3 and 4, said, Strengthen the weak hands, make firm the knees, say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. What? Behold, your God will come with vengeance and recompense. He will come and save you. Jesus Christ came to seek and save that which is lost. And so because of who we are in Christ, we have the assurance that he has come for us. We can, we can place our faith in him. We have a relationship with him. And that is the source of our joy. You know, because of who we are in Christ, we can, we can have no fear we can, we, can, uh, we can have anxious hearts that have gone away. We, he changes us. We're not to be anxious about anything. There's no more fear. There's no more anxiety. You know, and those are commands. Don't fear. Don't have an anxious heart. Those are things that we're expected to do because of who we are in Christ. And you can't do those on your own. You can't have somebody walk up to you and just say, well, you need to be strong. Have no fear. Well, that's great, but can you give me something to replace that with? That's where Christ fits in. He takes that anxiety, he takes that fear, and he replaces it with the assurance of a promised new life. Be strong, do not fear. Fear is removed and is replaced with joy when you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter 1.8, it says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and it is filled with glory. You know, to place your faith in Jesus Christ, is, it's, it's not facts, it's faith. You know, we step out in faith and God meets us there. He fills us with his spirit and he gives us the assurance of new life and he gives us this transformed life where we can experience joy in spite of our circumstances. You know, I was watching uh, this pond out in front of our uh, building here. It was windy and the wind was blowing, and, and now it's not blowing anymore. And so uh, it's got a thin sheet of ice on it. 
And so I was thinking, that's starting to freeze. I think, I don't think I can walk on that right now. <laughs> Not quite thick enough to walk on. And even when we get into the, you know, the dead of winter, we got a big sign that says, don't walk on the ice. And we don't want anybody to walk on the ice and falling and getting hurt. But I was thinking about the fact that how many people see thin ice and they, they think that I can, I can walk on that. That'll hold me up. And they walk on it and they fall through. You know, when you place your faith in things that have no substance, when they have no guarantees, you're going to fall through. People place their faith in all kinds of things today. They place their faith in their jobs. They place their things in their, in their finances, in their retirement, in their families, in their kids, in their stuff, in their house. Think about the list of things that we place our faith in today. Those things are all like thin ice, and when you step on them, you're going to fall through. I can walk out there in the middle of winter, and if that ice is thick, I can say, I'm not sure. I don't, think I, can sh- I don't think I can walk on it. I might fall through. But if it's thick enough, I can step on it and be assured that I'm not going to fall through because the ice is thick. And so the object of our faith is what is important. It's not about our stuff. It's not about our things. It's not about our circumstances. When Jesus Christ is the object of our faith, it is there that we find our assurances. Even though we have not seen him, we love him. Even though we do not see him now, you believe in him. And so the idea is, is have you placed your faith in Christ? Do you believe in him? Because that is where ultimately where our joy comes from. We can't find joy in our circumstances. We can't find joy in the promises of God ultimately until all those things are wrapped around the fact that I believe and I trust in Jesus Christ. That is where we're able to rejoice. That is where we're able to experience joy that is inexpressible and filled with joy. It's at that point that that we can step back and say, no matter what's going on in my life, I know God is sovereign and I'm going to find joy in it. As I look back on my own life, just think about some of the things I've been through with the health of some of my family members and some of my, and some of my kids and some of the things that I've been through. I, I can remember just, just crying out to God that in the midst of this tragedy, in the midst of the loss of this loved one, that in spite of my pain and suffering, God, help me to be able to experience more of you to see me through this. You know, Psalm 23 talks about the fact that while we're in the valley of the shadow of death, we are not alone. God is with us and he will see us through. He is a shepherd. He loves us and he cares about us. He's drawing people into a relationship with himself so that we can experience and rejoice with this joy that is inexpressible. And he can fill us so we can experience more of the life that God has called us to be able to enjoy. In Romans chapter 15, Paul prays, you know, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. May he fill you with all peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. You know, as we move through this Advent season, as we move towards the celebration of Christmas, we are preparing to celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's great news of great joy because he fills us with joy and hope. That is where our joy and our hope and our peace are found. And as we move through Advent and we celebrate these different components of Advent, and next week we're going to be looking at love, his unconditional love for us, all of these things are bundled up and point us to the reality of who Christ is as we prepare to celebrate his birth. I love the idea of Christmas. I love getting together with my family. We have some great food. But in the midst of all of this season, we must not lose the focus of what the season is about. Our hope is in him. And and that's our prayer. That's my prayer for myself. That's a prayer for my family. It's something that I pray for all of our family at Springbrook, that as we move towards this season, that God will fill us with joy and peace. And that believing in him, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we may abound in all things.
know, there's a lot of things that are going on in people's lives. I know this, this past uh, two weeks, I have prayed for probably about 10 people that are just going through some very significant tragedies in their life, and they're going through hurts, they're going through loss, and some of you this morning are experiencing those things today. And we're glad you're here. And some of you are here and you're experiencing Christmas and you're thinking, hey, this is just a great season. I'm glad to be here. And I love to sing. You know, we're all at different places this morning. But I just want to encourage you, wherever you are, that this is an opportunity for us to step back and reflect and think about the hope that we have in Christ. I'm going to ask our worship team to, uh, to come out. They're going to come out in just a moment. And um, uh, we're going to sing this, uh, this last song. It's uh, about uh, putting Christ as a central figure of our life. It's, it's all hail King Jesus. And the idea in this is, is that, that we are going to put him in his rightful place in our life. It's okay to be mad. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be glad. And we need to encourage one another, and we need to pray for one another, and we need to share our lives with one another. It's okay to be in communication with one another about the things that we're struggling with. But there's also a point where we need to step back and say, hey, in spite of what's going on in my life right now, I want to experience more of the power and presence of Christ in my life. I want to experience more. You know, you don't have to go through this life by yourself. You don't have to go through life alone. There are people that are watching online this morning that they haven't connected with our church. They haven't connected with any church. They might have just stumbled along and they found our ministry. And I'm praying that as we, as we engage with our culture, that this would be a place where people could come in and experience new life and experience hope and experience relationships. Now, this is an opportunity for us to make ourselves available for people in our community. It's an opportunity for us to invite others to participate in this joy and this celebration that we're experiencing. But it's also an opportunity for us to stop and encourage one another. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're not involved in a small group, if you don't know anybody in Springbrook, that this is a good season for you to reach out and just say, say, hey, I'm glad I'm here. I'm looking forward to what God has for us together. And if we can help you get connected as we prepare to move into this new year, we'd love to do that. But don't let this season go by without understanding the joy that comes from knowing and having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. God transcends our circumstances. The promises of joy, the promises that God gives us bring us joy, and and it's in in sharing who we are in Christ together that we are able to experience the fullness of that. So I want to encourage you to stand for this next song. As you're singing through this, just ask the Spirit of God to fill you as Paul prays for you in Romans 15, that he would fill you with joy and peace by believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit may be in you as we move through this Advent season. Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. I thank you for the prophet Isaiah who just spoke with boldness into a, into a culture, into a community that was far, as far from you. They were disobedient. They were lawless. There was treachery. There, you know, and sometimes I look at our culture around us today and you know, I feel like that's the same situation that we're in. You know, there's people that have turned their back on God. There's lawlessness. There's people that are they're doing things their own way. And so we just want to take a stand and offer hope. And I thank you for the boldness of Isaiah. I thank you for your word. I pray that it would transform us. We look forward to all that you have for us as we move through uh, this holiday season and we begin to embrace what you have for us as we move into this new year. We lift our lives up to you. We lift this ministry up to you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.
There was a moment when the lights went out When death had claimed its victory The king of love had given up his life The darkest day in history cross they made for sinners for every curse his blood atoned one final breath and it was finished but not the end we could have known for the earth began to shake that veil was What sacrifice was made is the heavens roll. And all hail King Jesus.
and amen. We want to thank you once again for worshiping with us today here at Springbrook. We pray that you would go in the joy of the Lord. May it be your strength this week as you go to love and serve the Lord. Have a blessed, blessed week in him.